Sam and Jack pull up to Jack? the house. That, nope, Sam and Barrett. <laughs> Jack's still in prison. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Long time no talk. It's been so long. It has. So much has happened. My brother went outside. <laughs> wow. No. A lot's happened here, too. I combed my hair. <gasps> oh, my God. Which is hard when I have as much stupid hair as I have. <laughs> and uh, I did not find the calamine lotion that I was looking for for my poison ivy. So I took some Claritin instead. Ah. <laughs> Poison ivy, poison ivy. Okay, anyway. Yes. (laughs) Gonna need an ocean of calamine lotion. You'll be scratching like a hound. The minute you start to mess around, poison ivy. Okay, I'm done. Um. <laughs> well, I already know how your day is going because we talked about that in the last <laughs> episode. What are you up to for the rest of the day aside from singing? I'm going to do some laundry. Ooh. I'm going to edit the upcoming episode. Fabulous. I'm going to probably play Stardew Valley. Excellent. Because I could do productive things or I could just play Stardew Valley. Right. I like that option best. I might try to give the modding a chance again. Nice. See if I can get something to work. (laughs) Yeah. I've never done any mods because I've never played it on a platform that allowed for them since I've only played it on PlayStations and Switches. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Attempt Mm. number one was not good. It did not do anything as far as I can tell. So... (laughs) that is annoying yeah it like made made gestures that's not the right word it looked like <laughs> something was happening but then there was nothing different in the game so Weird yeah and annoying what are you doing with the rest of your day i should also do some productive things like cleaning the house and getting it organized for the small children that are arriving in a few days but more realistically i will probably just play horizon zero dawn all day <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of the day yeah. I'm probably going to go listen to the song Poison Ivy, too, after this. Yeah, nice. I'll try to uh, not think about the fact that work starts for me again tomorrow, because I definitely felt like I could have used a little bit more time than I had, but it's fine. Poison Ivy alone will make you itch. (laughs) Sorry. Yes. I might have heard that song a lot when I was young. You did listen to a lot of oldies. I did. And this this particular song, two of my cousins that I used to babysit for a lot liked to perform this song at family gatherings. I remember That's weird. seeing them when we were up at my aunt's house in Cape Cod, just sitting there while we all listened to them sing Poison Ivy. <laughs> That's quite weird. Yeah. My cousins were weird. That's fair. Now they're grownups with children. Yep. Maybe their own children are going to sing them Poison Ivy one day. Ooh, one can only hope. Yeah. Yeah. And then make video cooking shows when they're a little older. 
which they could actually do now and then put on YouTube, like uh, which right. was not a thing when I was babysitting for them. No. But anyway, this has nothing to do with anything except Mary's nope. leg. Yep. <laughs> it's only a small spot, which is good. Probably I won't have to go to the doctor for steroids, I'm hoping. I hope not. Which I've had to many times for poison ivy because <laughs> my body doesn't deal with it well. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Quite annoying. Speaking of things that your body doesn't deal with well, you know what Kinsey's body doesn't deal with very well? What's that? Getting shot. What? <laughs> That's all I could think of. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that happened in this current episode that we are about to talk about. Would you like to tell us what that episode sure. is? Yeah. It's Stargate SG-1 Season 6 Episode 14. 14. Smoke and Mirrors. Mm. <gasps> we get a bunch of scenes from other episodes. Yeah. Mayborn says you can't take down the NID, but maybe you can blackmail them into getting Hammond reinstated. Spoiler alert, they did that. (laughs) Jack wants to shoot Kinsey. Kinsey is involved with the NID. Kinsey also just wants to know how things turn out and wants to know what Jack would do to keep him from becoming Hammond's new bestie. End of preview. (laughs) Or flashbacks. Or whatever. We're... In Washington, D.C., and we are getting cuts between a mysterious person putting together a rifle and getting ready to shoot somebody, and that somebody being Senator Kinsey getting into or out of a limo. Getting out of a limo, right? No. Out, no. <laughs> He's getting ready, getting ready to, ready get, to into. get into the limo. <laughs> There's a crowd of people. He's, you know, waving and all of that stuff. Once the gun is assembled, we see an eye looking through the scope, and it is very clearly Jack O'Neill's eye. Indeed. And then Kinsey gets shot. It looked like he got shot in the armpit. <laughs> Maybe. He might have. <laughs> I mean, he, spoiler, he survived, because we already knew that from the... From the preview. preview. <laughs> right. Yeah, from the description from the booklet. Yeah. The assassin with Jack's eye... Closes up the gun case after disassembling the gun and gets out of there. And we see a man, Jack O'Neill, leaving the building wearing gloves and carrying a case that clearly has a weapon in it. It doesn't look suspicious at all. Nope. Mm-mm. But shock, Jack O'Neill. What? Yeah. Murdering Kinsey? There were so many close-up scenes of the gun being prepped for... <laughs> This whole assassination attempt, too. I thought it was weird. Like, was it once again just an episode of, well, we got five minutes to kill. What do we do? (laughs) Close-ups of the gun from multiple angles. How about that? Trying to really build that drama. Yeah. After credits, SG three quarters, minus Jack, are in what I think is Jonas's office, watching TV and the live report on the assassination of Senator Kinsey. That has sent shockwaves through Washington. Jack comes in and has no idea what's happening because he's been on vacation. He's still dressed in his giant oversized (laughs) civilian clothes. Everyone is shocked at how he has managed to miss this news that Kinsey was killed. 
Jack seems to be shocked that Kinsey was killed. <laughs> and again, they're all like, how did you not know this? He's like, I've been in the middle of nowhere. I was fishing. <laughs> Jack asks if there are any suspects. Sam says that the police are not saying anything. But Teal'c points out that probably he had a whole lot of enemies. So really, it could have been anybody. Except that just then, Hammond and a couple of security personnel come in and tell Jack that, sorry, but we need to take you into custody because you're under arrest for murdering Kinsey. And there is yet more shock all around. Everyone is shocked. 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 Well, not that shocked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jack, of course, protests, I've been on vacation. And Hammond's like, I believe you, but you still need to cooperate, at least for now. After Jack is taken away, SG three quarters and Hammond convene in the conference room. We actually watch them walk up the stairs into the conference room talking yes. about how Jack couldn't have done this. What if he's a Zaytark? There are many possible. Yeah. Obviously, there are many options. Yeah. For what could have happened that would all be explained by their various weird technology issues and things that they have seen before. Yeah. But also it is possible that maybe he's a Zaytark and actually did do it. Maybe. So they can't really just. No, they can't. Outright rule it out. Yeah. Jack's like, but Jonas is like, how could they think he was responsible? Yeah. He wasn't in Washington. And at this point, they've made it into the conference room where they find Major Davis, Major Paul Davis. And he's like, ah, looks like he actually was in Washington. Davis is there, him and explains as a liaison between the Pentagon and the district attorney, which, okay, Davis is everywhere. Right? Yeah. I want to know exactly what his role is. (laughs) He's just always the guy to be there when they need to talk to somebody else. Yeah. Instead of just talking to that person. (laughs) Yeah. He's always there on behalf of someone. Yeah. <laughs> Davis starts his presentation, basically, and he's got security footage of what looks like Jack on a stairwell in the hotel where they know the gunfire came from. Jonas is like, that doesn't prove anything. And Davis is like, no, but they got warrants to search Jack's house and his cabin where they still didn't find anything. But a neighbor saw O'Neill dump something by the lake and they found the case with the gun in it. How trustworthy is this neighbor though? Do we know for sure that it wasn't the neighbor themselves that threw the gun in there and then were blaming Jack because yeah, they wanted to blame Jack? No. They don't know that. They don't know. Yeah. This gun has been meshed to the shooting and he's like, well, Mm, There was some bad blood there. They're like, yeah, he wasn't going to kill him, though. (laughs) Jonas asks for a little more information on Kinsey, because apparently, even though he's read and memorized all the files, this one was vague. So they recap that he doesn't like the way Stargate was being run. The same thing that happened in the recap. They got Hammond to retire, but then Jack blackmailed Kinsey. Jonas concludes that technically Kinsey has been protecting the SGC then. Yeah, he's not wrong in a weird convoluted way. And that's a motive for them to keep him alive, not kill him. They, of course, can't tell anything about this to the civilian authorities because it's a big honking secret still. (laughs) And because Kinsey was, one, a senator, and two, killed in broad daylight in public in front of people, they can't 
move this to any kind of military court or make it any kind of secret. It's a political problem. Sam's like, the current administration owes the colonel a lot. Hammond's like, yeah, President Bestie does, but he can't do anything because of the situation, which he just said. Right. He is suspending SG-1's off-world duties, though, because the only thing he can do is have them go investigate this themselves and figure out what happened and clear Jack O'Neill's name. Indeed. So their first order of action is to go visit Jack in prison. Tilk and Jonas, anyway. Sam is not with them. We, of course, get another hat watch from Tilk. Jack is brought in by some guards. Turns out he's going to be transferred to Washington in a couple of days. They tell Jack that the plan is for them to investigate, to try to figure out what exactly happened. They stand by their belief that Jack didn't do it, and they say that they're going to help to prove it. But they do tell Jack that there is actually evidence that puts him at the scene. Jack, of course, reminds them that he was fishing. But they tell him that there is a video that clearly puts him in Washington, D.C. Again, they say that they're not really questioning him, but this is the facts of what evidence they have that they're up against. Jonas does kind of indicate that, you know, if you were on a secret mission, maybe now's the time to tell us about that. But Jack is adamant he was in Minnesota on vacation, not a secret mission. And there was nobody that could corroborate his story because he was 20 miles away from the closest town, completely alone. But clearly there was at least one neighbor. So (laughs) you weren't that alone, Jack. (laughs) You would think that they would maybe want to go and talk to that neighbor. Right. But they never mention that neighbor again. So (laughs) that doesn't happen. Tilk figures that whoever it was that decided to frame Jack for this must have chosen this time specifically because they knew that Jack would not have an alibi. If Jack had done this, he wouldn't have shown up on a security camera. He's not that stupid. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's all I got. Um, (laughs) Back in the SGC, SG three quarters and Hammond are meeting again. Sam says that the videotape appears to be genuine. Jonas is like, that means that's either Colonel O'Neill or someone who looks exactly like him. Which is when Teal'c and Sam are like, oh yeah, remember that time that those mimic devices were used and oops, you could uh, be somebody else? Sam says that these devices, though, are under heavy guard. And Jonas is like, what the fuck are you talking about? I've read all your files. <laughs> and apparently when that foothold situation happened where those aliens came in and were able to scan and then had those little devices that turned you into other people... They just covered that whole thing up. <laughs> yep. It was a serious security breach, so they made the decision to erase all mention from official records. Good thing, like, they don't have a lot of turnover and there are people around right? who remember this shit. Seriously. <laughs> Jonas asks where these devices are, and Sam says Area 51. And that is where they head next. Sam... Is there, anyway. She's the only one there. Talking to a random scientist about how many of them they have. The scientist says that 12 were recovered from the SGC and they are all stored in this special storeroom that she is taking to Sam in. Taking to <laughs> Sam, taking <laughs> Sam into. Wow, brain. <laughs> 
Sam asks if anyone's been studying them recently, but no, they've been stored here for a while because everyone's been too busy working on the X303. They open up the storage container that they are being kept in, and the scientist is like, see, they're all here. Except it's not as simple as that. Next, the team goes back to visit Jack to let him know it's It's a a fake. fake. I almost snorted my coffee out my nose. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fake. I can't. It's a fake. (laughs) It's a fake. Every single one of those dozen devices were switched with replicas or duplicated the duplicators, as Jack puts it. Yes. Sam reports the last time these things were recorded as being tested and thus legit was six months ago so they could have been taken anytime since then jonas is like this could clear you right and jack's like i don't think alien technology defense (laughs) is gonna work (laughs) because yeah one that just seems ridiculous and two it's very very classified to the point where not even he knew about it because they erased the entire record yeah they weren't even supposed to tell jonas about it but they did Sam's like, maybe we can use it to find the real assassin. Maybe. Maybe. Potentially. Back on the base, they are looking at the fake devices. Why they bothered to bring them all back with them to the base, I don't know. But they did. And so they're in Jonas's office looking at them and talking about them. Sam reminds the viewers and also informs Jonas (laughs) that first the people need to be taken through some sort of a scanning device. And then the little... Small portable devices act like a holographic sequencer. And as long as you got it somewhere on your body when it's activated, then you will look exactly like the person who was scanned. And I was trying to remember, because remember everyone was unconscious and dangling when they were scanned. And I was trying to remember like if that was a thing that needed, but I think that had to do with them having access to their brains, their memories. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah, because they had those things that were attached to their heads so they would know all the same stuff. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't need that in this case. No, not necessarily. Tilk asked if the scanning device was taken and it was not. So they wouldn't be able to impersonate any new people. They would just be able to impersonate the people that had already been scanned during that whole foothold situation, which was only 12 people. Mm. 12 that were left anyway. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. They said that it was 12, but it seemed like a lot more people than just 12 were taken over. Anyway, Sam again, reminds everyone and informs Jonas that a lot of the invaders died when they blew up a device in the gate room. And then also says that Jonas doesn't need to worry about her or Teal'c being imposters because they were never scanned, which I was thinking to myself is exactly what the doubles of Teal'c and Sam would say. (laughs) So that Jonas wouldn't suspect them of being doubles. That's true. (laughs) And Jonas looks relieved, though, so... (laughs) I guess that thought doesn't occur to him. (laughs) Sam has requested the personnel files of everyone that had access to the devices, and Tilk and Jonas are going to be going through those files while Sam is flying to Washington to look up an old acquaintance. That old acquaintance is Agent Barrett of the NID. He asks when she comes in the... (laughs) I was wondering how long it would be before you came by, and welcomes her to NID headquarters. Yeah. 
For anyone who is like me and didn't remember who he was, we were introduced to him in Wormhole Extreme <laughs> as one of the NID people tracking the aliens who were tracking Martin. Yeah. In Jonas's office, Teal'c and Jonas have gotten straight to work on research on the people in Area 51 who have had access. He says that most of the folks who had access, which was eight people total, most are now on the 303 project. And still living in Nevada. But then they find one guy, Dr. Brent Langham. He's dead. Conveniently killed three weeks ago in a car accident. That's suspicious. Yes. And Teal says so. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) In Barrett's office, he and Sam are having a chat. She basically suspects the NID of being behind the assassination. Barrett's like, we can't do crimes like that, even though we all know that they have done all kinds of crimes, which makes me wonder really how the NID even still has funding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or at the very least, why they haven't had like a complete reorganizational shakeup to get rid of the corruption from it. But that never (laughs) happened. She points out many of the sketchy things that the NID has done. And Barrett's like, ah, but those were rogue agents. That doesn't make it better. Why do you have so many rogue agents? (laughs) They talk about the whole thing in Steveston, Oregon, the zombie episode. And Barrett's like, well, that was sanctioned. So that's fine. (laughs) Which is also sketchy that that was even a sanctioned thing. Yeah. Yep. But long story short, Barrett is still adamant that they had nothing to do with it. And now if Sam will excuse him, he's got to get back to work. But meanwhile, he slides a piece of paper over on the desk that says Stanton Park, 3 p.m., sending Sam a secret note. Sam nods and then leaves. She goes to change her clothes and then heads on over to Stanton Park (laughs) for 3 p.m., where she finds Barrett reading a newspaper on a bench, which... Do you ever... You've been to D.C., right? Do you see a lot of people sitting around reading newspaper and having clandestine conversations... Because it seems to happen a lot. Yeah, not that I have noticed. <laughs> in TV and movies. I can't say. And yeah, I haven't been there like a ton of times, but I've been there three or four times as an adult. And I have not ever seen this many people in suits <laughs> talking while looking straight ahead and pretending to read newspapers. <laughs> I would probably have noticed it because I would have thought it was so weird. <laughs> Before they get down to it, Barrett takes a moment to talk about how maybe people should focus on climate change instead of protecting the planet from the gold or whatever else is going on in the world. Yeah, he says that by 2075, the Earth's oceans are going to be too warm to sustain most coral reefs. But in the 20 years since this was filmed, we have now upped that timeline to between 2040 and 2050 for anyone keeping track. Go us. Did you go in? Do you know, is the actual entire ecosystem of the planet going to collapse at that point? No, that would seem to be hyperbole okay. to me, but it would be very bad, yeah, though, yeah, if that were sure. to happen. Because I actually did look up what exactly would be the ramifications. And obviously, we would lose a ton of actual marine life because yeah. it is the basis of a food chain. And so we wouldn't necessarily lose the entire ecosystem of the whole planet, but entire ecosystems would collapse not planet-wide necessarily but like large swaths of them would but then they also do things like attracting tourists so like the economy of some of these places where the reefs are oh for sure could be destroyed if they lose the money that they have coming in from tourism and then also they help to protect 
the coastline from like big waves and storms and stuff so we could just get like towns and cities being washed away by that lack of living barrier to help protect the coastal villages and cities and I'm sure there are other ramifications as well, but those are the only ones I remember yeah. off the top of my head. So thanks for injecting that grim reality, Mr. Barrett, into <laughs> Agent Barrett, into our fun Stargate time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this is a thing I try not to think about. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> Barrett lets Sam know his office is bugged and that's why he had to talk to her this way. And nobody can know what is going on. Not even his superiors. He is apparently, since no one else is going to do it, trying to root out all the corruption and shadow government stuff happening in his department. (laughs) After the Prometheus was stolen, he was called to the White House for an assignment by President Bestie. It turns out that Senator Kinsey was working with Barrett to try to bring down this organization that is bringing so much corruption. (laughs) And terrible things. That seems weird, since Kinsey himself seems to be corrupt. Yeah. I was surprised that now Kinsey is working against well that corruption. Kinsey can be blackmailed by everyone because Barrett true. says he knows a few skeletons <laughs> in his closet too. So that yeah, that's true. That is why Kinsey was helping. I forgot about that part. It was not altruistic concern. So both the NID and the SGC have blackmailed Kinsey. <laughs> yes. Clang, clang, the beer warden's here to put you in beer jam! That's an ironic choice since this is the episode where Jack is in jail. (laughs) Appropriately themed for the episode. What did the beer warden bring you? It is undrinkable swill, as Jeff has decided to name his most recent homebrew (laughs) oh okay (laughs) what kind of beer is it it's a pale ale nice i would not classify it as undrinkable (laughs) swill but jeff is much more critical of his own creations of course because that's how creativity works oh that's also a really funny name but it is a very funny name yeah i would buy a beer called undrinkable swill yeah yeah Yeah. so would i (laughs) absolutely the only people who know about this investigation that Barrett is doing is him, President Bestie, some of his staff, and now Sam. Because the smaller the operation, the less chance of it being compromised. And the corruption is huge. He needs her help, though. That's why she's telling him. Nope, that's why he's telling her. (laughs) He thinks that there's more to the story that Sam's not sharing. He wants to know what makes her think he's innocent and she's like well I just know and trust him we've been doing this a long time and you don't believe that because you can't trust anybody in your profession (laughs) Agent Barrett (laughs) but he says maybe it's never too late to learn Hmm. so it seems like they're going to work together on this indeed back at the SGC Jonas and Teal'c are there telling Fraser and Hammond what they've got. The mimic devices were first brought to Area 51 and a bunch of research was done on them as we've already established. Something happened to the devices that had to do with electromagnetic interference. So although the original aliens were able to maintain their holographic images indefinitely, it can now only be maintained for three to four minutes at a time, which made me wonder why 
the assassin was bothering to use the device to make himself look like Jack during the actual shooting in the hotel room. I think what they meant is that they couldn't use any of the new scans that they tried. They could only use the original 12 people. Yeah, but they can only maintain a hologram of somebody for three to four minutes before it stops. Only the new one. Only the new scans. The old ones work fine. Oh, okay. I didn't get that part. All right. But wait, the scanning device was never stolen, though. Yes, hence they're using Jack, because Jack's already programmed in as one of the ones that works. Mm, okay. <laughs> so they can imitate Jack and Fraser in this, but if they tried to do a scan of Sam now, that hologram would only work for three or four minutes. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. I see. I get it. Yes. Oh. That answers my question then. All right. That guy could have looked like Jack forever if he wanted to. Why wouldn't you? I was going to say, actually, <laughs> Richard Dean Anderson is, in my opinion, more attractive guy than the other guy that is posing as Jack. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> not a bad choice. They kept working on the devices, but they could never really improve on anything or discover anything new about them. So by the time that the program ended, there were only three people left working on it. Two of them were transferred to the X-303. And then Dr. Langham was supposed to also be transferred to the X-303 project, but died before that could happen. And his body was burned beyond recognition in a car crash. So he was only identified through dental records. But... Fraser points out that they did a toxicology report that came back clean. And that shouldn't have been the case because... Langham has epilepsy and the drugs he was taking should have shown up on any sort of toxicology report. I feel like that's a thing that somebody wouldn't miss if, I mean, it's not a thing to miss, I feel like, if you're pretty Mm. sure the person who died is the person you think it is. Yeah, (laughs) you're not necessarily going to be looking to see, was he taking his medication? Well, actually, if somebody has epilepsy, though, you would probably want to know if the car accident was caused by them not taking their fair, medications. Fair, In which case, you would probably assume, okay, this car accident happened because the person take, didn't yeah. take their medication and probably had a seizure while they were driving. Even if the toxicology report came back clean, I can see where they would be like, okay, I guess he just didn't take his meds okay. and not really think about it from there. But Fraser just uses that to assume that it must not be him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there was no reason to assume that before, and now there right. is. <laughs> yes. The moral of the story is that Dr. Langham was probably the one that took the mimic devices and just is using them to make his own disappearance happen and then probably also gave them to whoever is behind Kinsey's assassination attempt. They briefly toy with the idea that maybe Langham was the person that tried to shoot Kinsey, but he doesn't have any kind of training that would make that likely. So they're going to go try to find Dr. Langham wherever he might be. And ask him more questions. Yeah. Yeah. In D.C., Barrett has taken Carter to some random warehouse without telling her why they're there or what it is. Sam has had another outfit change also. (laughs) She brought a lot of clothing with her for what might have been a short stay. I don't know. Right. Anyway. Although I noticed that Barrett is wearing a different tie. So maybe it's supposed to be a different day. But it seemed like it was probably supposed to be the same day. But I don't know. They didn't really indicate. He's taken her to a warehouse where criminals sell unregistered guns <laughs> to people. They haven't shut it down because they are very helpful with giving him information. 
They go inside. They're waved right in by the security man, Leo. They meet a guy, whoever this guy is. His name is Luther. Luther, And my headcanon is that it's Lex Luther. (laughs) Was he bald? He was bald, wasn't he? He was bald. (laughs) Okay, so they meet Lex Luther in this warehouse. Yeah, this is before he went to Metropolis to start trying to take over the world from there and, you know, before Superman came along. Sam introduces herself and Barrett lets Lex Luthor know that she's cool to talk in front of. (laughs) They ask about the gun that was used to shoot Kinsey and he's like, yeah, I did that. I sold that. And Sam's like, what? Well, that weapon was used to kill a senator. And he's like, whatever. Doesn't matter. Luther had never seen the person who bought the gun before. And apparently it was, again, Jack. Because he identifies him from that stairwell photo. Sam asks if the guy touched any other weapons before the one he ended up buying. And asks, was he wearing gloves when he touched it? And he was not. And no one else besides Leo has touched it since. So Sam asks how much the gun is. Next, Sam and Barrett are in a hotel room analyzing the fingerprints that they've already managed to get from the gun that they apparently just bought from the shady Lex Luthor arms dealer (laughs) guy. None of them match Jack's. There's actually only one full set and one partial set of prints besides the guy who was handling it barehanded at the warehouse. Doesn't match Jack, so... That would seem to indicate that Jack was not the person that was there purchasing the gun, even though Lex Luthor identified Jack as being the person when they showed that photo. They say that they're going to assume that the full set matches Leo and that the partial must belong to the shooter. Because it's the best lead they have. They need to make that assumption. Otherwise, they have no leads. (laughs) Barrett figures that the shooter probably won't have any kind of a criminal record. I don't know why he assumes that. But that's what he assumes. So Sam says maybe they need to check some NID personnel files. And so that's what they're going to do. Even though Barrett doesn't really like it. He's going to do it anyway. And he leaves. In the SGC, Teal'c and Jonas are hanging out with Dr. Frazier. They're on the hunt for Dr. Langham, wherever he's ended up. They're assuming he has a whole new identity, but... He can't change his epilepsy problem, so probably he's going to need new meds for that. And Teal'c's like, don't thousands of people take drugs for this? And Dr. Frazier's like, yes, but there's a wide range of treatment and he's on a very specific combination of drugs and we can access the National Pharmaceutical (laughs) Database to focus on new prescriptions written in the past three weeks, which can be cross-referenced by age and gender to narrow down the field. (laughs) <laughs> this all sounds very uh, ethical. It's not a thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I did actually even check just to make sure. So the drugs that she mentioned, she mentioned uh, primidone and carbamazepine. Those are actually real medications used for epilepsy. But there is no such thing as a national pharmaceutical database. There are some state-regulated databases for controlled substances, which would be things like narcotic medications. But primidone and carbamazepine are not controlled substances. I did actually check to see whether or not they were classified as that, and they're not. So there is no way that this plan would work. Because again, no national pharmaceutical database. There would be some state databases only following the regulated, the controlled substances, and wouldn't be helpful here. Thank you. In case anyone's wondering how you can be stocked for your medication, <laughs> you can't really, probably. Back in the DC, 
Sam is on the phone with Hammond and asks if Tilk and Jonas have found anything. They do have their lead on the missing scientist, according to the fake National Pharmaceutical Database. Sam tells him about the whole fingerprinting thing and says that if the shooter turns out to be an ID, then they should be able to track them using the fingerprints. And they're going to figure this out. Hammond asks if she's sure that she can trust Barrett. Sam says she doesn't know for sure, but she's pretty sure. Hammond, though, reminds her that you can't tell him anything about the whole foothold thing, remember? Because we weren't even supposed to tell Jonas that. No one should know that. Sam's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I'm not dumb. (laughs) You don't have to remind me that, basically. (laughs) She hangs up with Hammond, and Barrett conveniently comes in just then and says that the prince did, in fact, match an NID agent named Mark Devlin. So now they have a name, and also they have a photo because Barrett has his file with him. Teal'c and Jonas have made their way to some house somewhere. We don't know where. Nope. More hat watch. Yes. Teal'c is back in... The black hat with the brim that he was in in the last episode, I think. It's a good look. Yeah. 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 He was wearing more of a black beanie before when they were at the prison. Yeah. And this is, I don't know, it looks kind of fishing hatty, but in black. I don't know. I don't know. It looks kind of more like a fedora kind of thing. Okay. Is my impression of it. They are on the hunt for Dr. Langham. They've got a list of names and they're looking for him. Teal'c was also wearing a black and white shirt that was very slimming on him. It was. It was a good look altogether. I liked the hat. I liked the shirt. He's always looking so stylish when he's in normal, like, civvy clothes. And I say slimming. He doesn't need slimming, but he... No. Yeah. It just... But it showed off off the profile of all of his many muscles, though. Yeah. Yeah. As they're headed to this house, (laughs) Jonas asks (laughs) Teal'c how he learned to drive. Teal'c says that Daniel Jackson instructed him... Jonas asks when, and she looks like, I believe the year was 1969. So They've been in a car together before, though, so I thought this was a weird time for Jonas to bring up Tilk's ability to drive. They're like, let's throw in a joke right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they knock on the door. A guy answers. Jonas looks at the picture of Dr. Langham he has on a clipboard, looks up at the guy. This guy does not look anything like the doctor. So they're like, oh, you're not who we're looking for. And they start to go. And then Jonas is like, wait, wait, that guy looked familiar. And as they're sort of walking back to the car, Jonas stops. and He's like, no, I totally know that guy. He was one of the guys in the gate room the first time he came to Stargate Command. Why wouldn't Tilk have recognized him? Yeah, I don't know. If he's a guy that was regularly in the gate room... Tilk definitely should have no- recognized For sure. Him. Like, Tilk's not one to be like, I don't notice details. Like, yeah, especially he's a very observant person. Somebody you see multiple times. Like, Right. But anyway, Jonas is the one who makes this identification. So he heads back and starts calling out for this guy who's known as Mr. Swidell. The guy is no longer answering. So they run around back. And this guy tears out of his house and starts running and jumping over fences Jonas follows him and they are both running down a street and unsurprisingly, out of nowhere, (laughs) Teal'c's arm juts out and knocks this guy to the ground and he's unconscious. And I knew it was coming and it was still great. It was. I love how frequently Teal'c just comes out of nowhere and cold cocks people that are trying (laughs) to run away from them. It's fantastic. Teal'c finds the 
mimic device on his chest. They take it off and suddenly it is their missing doctor. A bit later, they're back at the SGC updating Hammond on the situation and that they've found the doctor. He is in a holding cell. He hasn't said anything yet because they're going to let him sweat for a little bit. He did ask for a lawyer and Hammond reminds them we're kind of outside of proper procedure here. We can't really hold this guy too long. Jonas reminds Hammond why Hammond needed reminding. I don't know. But Jonas reminded Hammond that the guy stole top secret material and is an accessory to murder, (laughs) though. So there is proper procedure. But when you're stealing top secret material, I think proper procedure might be a little different. And also, this is the only lead that they have that as far as like somebody that can verify that Jack is innocent. But Hammond says, no, not necessarily. Sam's got some leads. And Barrett, they're working on it. Hammond asks if they are sure that they're going to be able to get the answers that they want from this guy. And Tilk points out that while Dr. Langham was reluctant to go with them and required some convincing, (laughs) convincing being that he was unconscious and you made him go, I'm guessing. Tilk is confident, though, that he's going to volunteer the information that they are looking for. I liked in this conversation where Hammond was like, no one wants Colonel O'Neill back more than I do. And I was like, yes. yeah, otherwise, how are you going <laughs> to make any decisions at all? Right. Exactly. I, I noticed the same thing. And I thought that was very hilarious. I was laughing to myself. Tilk goes to see Langham in his cell. He's sitting at a table. Tilk comes in slowly, sits down and just stares at Langham and he's like I've got nothing to say Till keeps staring and he's like okay well okay I took the devices okay I switched them but I didn't know what they were gonna do Till continues to just stare at him he's like you think I'm part of a murder conspiracy no Till <laughs> leans a little closer in and he's like all right I'll tell you the creaking of the chair when he leaned forward, I thought it was a nice touch yeah. <laughs> on the part of, you know, the Foley artist or whoever. And that is all it took for him to tell Teal'c he will tell him anything he wants to know if you promise him protection, which Teal'c, again, just stares at him. <laughs> it was a great Teal'c scene. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Back in D.C., Sam and Barrett pull up to Devlin's house and knock on the door. There's nobody there. Sam pulls out her lock picking kit and is pointing her gun right at Barrett while she's getting her tools out, which I thought was bad. <laughs> I although notice. I did notice that she thankfully was not keeping her finger on the trigger. So, I mean, at least there was that, but still bad idea. Instead of giving her the time she needs to pick the lock, though, Barrett just kicks the door in. <laughs> they go in the house. It seems to be empty except for the kitchen, which is very full of gasoline and a timer. <laughs> It has seven seconds on it. And they make it outside just in time before the entire building explodes. Barrett lands right on top of Sam when they kind of dive and duck out of the way of the explosion. (laughs) And Sam's like, what are you doing? And Barrett says he's covering her. Very chivalrous, Barrett. Nice job. (laughs) Sam's like, can you just get up, please? (laughs) Knock it off. (laughs) So he gets up. And we see the house is completely engulfed in flame. Hammond and Jonas have joined Tilk in Langham's holding cell. He is freely answering questions now. 
that are actually being asked instead of Tilk just staring yes. at him as he dumps everything out. Yeah. Jonas asks where he took the devices and he says DC. He says that they wanted him to go himself because middlemen are risky and apparently this they is a group of people called the committee who run the whole show. Hammond wants names. Langham's like, I didn't know they were gonna kill anybody. They were gonna analyze the technology for commercial applications. Jonas is like, why would you believe that? And he's like, you don't think money has anything to do to this? There have been at least 10 new patents in the last six months traced back to Area 51 and the tech there. Industrial chemicals, metallurgy, computers, you name it. Jonas is like, so they're selling alien technology? And he's like, no, they're buying it. The committee is full of businessmen. The rogue yeah. NID work for them. They've invested millions and they're expecting a return of billions. Ugh. Jerks. Assholes. Right? Garbage people. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Jonas is like, I thought this was about protecting the planet. And Lingen's like, well, you gotta make money too. It's not a nonprofit business. Hammond offers safety in exchange for the names. And Lingen is skeptical and is like, uh, I need more details. You don't have a witness protection program in the Air Force. But Jonas is like, we've got a Stargate, though. Mm. So they're offering to ship him off world, which might be the only place he's safe from this shadow organization committee for some reason. <laughs> yes. In DC, Sam and Barrett go back to Sam's hotel room. They're both kind of dirty and messy from rolling around on the dirt and being that close to a giant burning fire. Barrett wants to know who else at SGC knew about their plan because he figures that they've got a leak somewhere. Otherwise, Devlin wouldn't have known to rig his house to blow up. He figures that Devlin must have been waiting for them. And so somebody must have tipped him off. But Sam is skeptical. <laughs> she basically thinks that it must have just been a coincidence or that the guy realized that Barrett had accessed his personnel files on the computer and that would mean that it's Barrett's fault that Devlin is onto them. Sam's phone rings and it is Hammond. <laughs> Barrett says not to answer it because it might be good if everyone thinks that they're dead. <laughs> and Sam's like, um, no. <laughs> I'm going to answer the phone. And if you trust me, you trust the rest of my team, which of course includes Hammond. <laughs> She answers the phone and learns the good news that Langham has been captured. And so they have the names of those responsible for the assassination. Barrett asks what that's supposed to mean. What do you mean? What does that mean? It means they have the names of those responsible for the assassination. I didn't understand his question. Yeah. But whatever. Once Sam is off the phone, Barrett is just kind of pressing her for more information that Sam is not really wanting to share but eventually she does give in and actually tells him about the whole holographic device thing and how it was not jack that shot him but somebody posing as jack and that they were trying to get rid of kinsey and jack at the same time barrett is confused how it's possible that he didn't hear of this tech and sam reiterates the fact that it was completely buried because it was just considered to be too risky for anybody to know about all of that information and then she admits that the source that they have is a scientist from Area 51, which is, of course, Dr. Langham, who is the one that smuggled the devices out of Area 51. They need to figure out 
who it was that Langer was working with fast, 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 so that they don't have time to disappear. But Barrett says that they need more than just the testimony of one scientist who made a deal, and Sam's like, well, that's all we got. So here we are. Barrett gets a weird look on his face, and then admits that Kinsey is not actually dead, but instead just in a coma. Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. I would think that the members of the public would be really pissed when they found out that the government was lying to them about this prominent politician being dead. But we're going to glance over that, just like we glossed over the whole quarantining of a not very small city (laughs) in the last episode. Sam is angry that Barrett didn't tell her this sooner, which is silly because she was also keeping secrets from him in not telling him about the whole holographic imagery (laughs) thing. So... Barrett basically points out her hypocrisy in that. And they're like, all right, cool. Well, we both had secrets. Now wipe the set off your face, Barrett, because he's got a big smudge like right next to his mouth. They talk about how the Pentagon's been informed of the whole situation and they're sending a person over to the hospital for reasons. I didn't really even understand why they felt the need to send a liaison to the hospital where (laughs) Kinsey is supposedly unconscious. But that is what has been done. They've decided to send Davis over to the hospital. And Sam's like, cool. Except that Davis was scanned. So it's entirely possible that who is actually going to the hospital is somebody with an alien device who just happens to look like Davis. And that's exactly what happens. Yes. We see Devlin in the hospital. He takes a moment when he's alone in an elevator to pull out a mimic device, stick it on himself, and he is Major Davis. He gets to the floor where Kinsey is and says hi and tells the guards outside Kinsey's door that he's there to check on him, heads on into Kinsey's room and is planning to murder Kinsey for sure this time. Mm-hmm. Good times. Yeah. That's the end of that scene. But then we get a flash of the committee, a bunch of guys in suits at a table where Agent Devlin is reporting that Kinsey is dead for sure this time because he wasn't wearing a bulletproof vest. But there were a few complications. And then we start getting a flashback as he tells the committee this story about what happened. Devlin posed as Davis is in Kinsey's hospital room readying his gun and silencer when the fire alarm goes off and a bunch of people come in and get Kinsey out of the room. Davis tries to follow them and starts fighting the people that try to keep him in place. Why were people trying to keep Davis in place when they were abandoning their... I guess because they suspected it wasn't actually Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Back with the committee, they're talking about how they don't care how many people have to die. They want to make sure that their last loose end, which is Langham, is taken care of. But another guy argues that that's not important because no one's going to take him seriously anyway. And maybe they should use the mimic devices to eliminate General Hammond. Because once he's out of the way, they can replace him with somebody more sympathetic to their concerns. This guy totally sounded like a newscaster. (laughs) Instead of worrying about him, I suggest we use the mimic devices to eliminate another thorn in our side. And I actually checked his bio, but there was nothing about being a newscaster in it. Ah. Back at the hospital, we see fake Davis, famous... (laughs) Trying to track down Kinsey as he's being loaded in an elevator, but the doors close before he can get in there. Back in the conference room, they're still talking about how they want to take Hammond out. 
they're going back and forth about how easy or difficult that might be. And one of the people is like, he doesn't seem like the type to bow to outside pressure. (laughs) Of course he does. (laughs) We've seen him bow to outside pressure from Jack on countless occasions. And then we also saw him get blackmailed into quitting when his family was threatened. (laughs) So absolutely, he's the type to give in to outside pressure. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Back in the hospital, fake Davis, Favis goes into some locker room and he's searching the area. He's still trying to track down Kinsey. And then Sam is there. And hits him with a zat gun. Why would she have a zat gun out in public? I didn't understand, but she did. So she takes him out and Barrett is there with her. They find his little holographic device thingy and take it off. And he turns back into Devlin. In the conference room, the committee members continue to argue and talk to Devlin about how they're going to try to get rid of Hammond by threatening his family like they've done before. Devlin asks what if Hammond refuses to play ball, which, again, we already know that he would because we've seen him do it before. And so the committee says, well, then go ahead and kill him. But the image of Devlin suddenly falters a bit. And then all of a sudden it is Sam and not actually Devlin. And for whatever reason, the committee members are surprised, even though they know that this technology is out there. They're still surprised anyway. Sam smiles at them and says, General Hammond sends his regards. And then a whole bunch of people, including Barrett, storm the room <laughs> with guns drawn. It reminded me, I'm just having a flash. I don't even know if it reminded me, but the the ending of Clue where Mr. Oh, Green, yes. Like, <laughs> anytime the cavalry comes in, they're just like triumphant music and people run yep. in. It just feels like that. Anyway. It does. I agree. <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. As everybody is being arrested, Sam's like, wow, the hologram lasted six and a half minutes. That's a new record for us. Barrett says that she took a big risk, but she knew he was listening. Wouldn't they have coordinated that before? Mm. I mean, like the way that Barrett's talking, he makes it sound like Sam didn't necessarily know for sure that Barrett was out there with a team of people. (laughs) But I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. She says that she trusted him because when you work with someone, you just know. Aww. Yeah. Kinsey's awake in a hospital room, dressed in non-hospital clothes. Jack comes in in his dress uniform to say hi. Kinsey greets him. He says, glad you could make it. Jack's like, what do you want? (laughs) Kinsey says, we just need to have a little chat before we go meet the press. Jack's like, you're here to gloat? Kinsey's like, come on, Jack. This is for both of us. This is how we uh, both get vindication slash clear our names. Jack's like, it's not worth it. Or maybe it's not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Kinsey's like, the American people don't want their Air Force officers to be assassins, so go be a hero instead, and I'm going to make you one. He leads Jack out. And they are set up outside with microphones, reporters, crowd gathered to witness Kinsey, who makes a quick speech about apologizing for pretending to be dead. (laughs) But it was necessary because of his investigation of anti-democratic forces taking root in government agencies. They've caught the ringleaders now, though... 
none of this would have been possible without Jack. He wants the American people to know that if he's elected president, he's going to continue to bring this determination and zeal for justice to the White House. The colonel definitely didn't try to kill me. Don't worry. And then he holds out his hand for Jack to shake. Jack takes a moment and hesitates before he finally shakes his hand and Kinsey's like, smile, you just won me the election. Gloat, gloat, gloat. And that is the end of the episode. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like the episode? I did like this episode. I like all of the intrigue and uh, mostly that. Yeah. It's nice to see these things come back. I mean, I think I've brought that up before, like things that you know, in the past that we just don't hear about again. We've got these devices that... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say something similar when I was talking about it. It's nice to see major bits of technology or, like, big plot lines coming back again instead of just disappearing forever and being like, how does that never come back? Yeah. Yeah. And then I I like the complications of the politics and government stuff coming up um, because it's still bananas that this whole program is secret and yes it doesn't seem like maybe it will be secret for long like more and more it seems to be coming into public view yeah and yeah i don't know i liked sam and barrett doing their investigating i like tilkin jonas's investigation i don't know it was just all fun to watch and interesting how about you yeah i liked it too it was a very interesting episode i thought that this separate storylines that everybody was following kind of made it more interesting than it could have been some of the episodes where they've just been like really talky episodes Mm. like this one was I as you know sometimes tend to get bored but the fact that they had Sam off doing completely different things and then Tilk and Jonas doing different things made it more interesting to me to be going back and forth between two separate storylines rather than just one big long talky storyline which gets too tedious for me so I thought it was a good episode and we were saying before having some sort of major storyline from the past actually have repercussions in the future i think is good because a lot of shows like this that are just like a story of the week kind of thing you have a huge event happen that's never mentioned again and it's kind of frustrating when that happens so when they do bring back storylines from the past it's kind of gratifying to be like yeah that was a big thing that happened and it does still have effect on the future so that's good when they make references to past events like that nice yeah. It was also nice that, that rich assholes had consequences this time. Yes. Yeah, right? Because they so rarely do. And it is nice to see it when it does happen. I actually almost forgot about Kinsey as a character, too, because yeah, he hasn't been in this for a long time. true. Also, you probably enjoyed the explosion. Did we actually see the explosion? Of course. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think about Obviously. you when things explode. Yeah. It wasn't the best scene because the best scene was Tilk when he was silently yes. intimidating the guy. <laughs> that was so the best good. scene by far. But the whole house exploding would be the yeah. next best scene. Yeah. yeah. What are we going to watch next? Season six, episode 15, Paradise Lost. Colonel Mayborn ooh, visits O'Neill and claims to have a key to a cache of alien technology, but demands a presidential pardon for his crimes <laughs> in exchange for the knowledge. When SG-1 accompanies Mayborn to retrieve the cash, they find that his intentions may not be all they seem. That is shocking. Shocking Shocking that he'd be trying to do something (laughs) sketchy and weird and shady. 
Do you think this uh, cash that he's talking about is the same one that the people on Prometheus were hoping to get? Could be. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good call. But yeah, it very well might be. Hmm. 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 Interesting. At the TVDB, it says Colonel O'Neill is trapped on an alien planet with Mayborn and must fight to stay alive as his companion becomes increasingly paranoid. Ooh. That is a completely different storyline really other than that it involves two of the same characters. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, sounds sounds good. Yeah. I guess that's it. Yeah. That is it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We appreciate any reviews you might give us. Again, tell all your friends and family, too. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so by emailing us at stargazing at gmail.com or visiting our website, stargazing.space, where you can leave us messages, both in print and orally. There we go. (laughs) I don't know why that came out that way, but anyway... (laughs) Sure. Yeah. You can visit us on social media on Instagram at Stargazing and on Mastodon at Stargazing at Mastodon.world. And if you are feeling generous and would like to contribute to the podcast and listen to some bonus content, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash Stargazing. I'm Kathy. And I'm Mary. And you have been listening to Stargazing. The end. The end. Woo! Woo! We did two! Yay! Go us! Go us! Coconut's cheering for us also. Me.